Cut it out, dork. It's like the legend of Trantor. Elizabeth Giddle life. Just because you write a report about it doesn't mean it comes true. She told me about this troll that had red glowing eyes and walks like this. <laughs> and if he ever gets loose, he'll go after the children first. And he turns them into little wooden dolls, which gives him his power. And that ugly little rascal is still alive down there. But he can only be awakened on the night before Halloween. Like tonight. When a whorl... Like you. ...places his hand on a tree like this and says, Yea, I call thee forth, Trantor. But what are the chances of that happening? Monsters, madness, and magic. Welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic podcast. I am Justin, joined as usual by my co-host Daniel and Angelique. This evening we have a very special guest, singer, songwriter, and actress, Shay Astor. Shay, how the hell are you? I'm doing great. I can't complain. Good, good. So... While most of us were playing Nintendo or Game Boy, you're acting in films and starring in sitcoms. So won't you just tell us how you got started and how that how your interest got sparked in acting at such a young age? Well, it's in the blood. I have family who were not famous actors, but performers. And uh, there's video of me at you know, three years old, putting on performances for the family. So I think it was pretty obvious that I wanted to be a performer. And I took um, ballet class very young and was very serious, very disciplined. I took the work really, really seriously. And I think that's why it kept going. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of kids take dance class. A lot of kids take acting classes or, you know, get involved in the arts in, um, you know, as a hobby, but I, from the first audition I went on, I was like, this is great. I want to do this all the time. <laughs> you know, I loved the whole process of, you know, when you, when you uh, audition for a television or film or they send you a piece of the script so that you can learn a scene that the character, you know, to, to perform. And I just loved that so much. It was an opportunity to perform, even if you don't end up getting that job. And, uh, you know, I was, my family lived in Los Angeles. So anytime anyone in LA sees a kid who's super precocious and wants to put on shows for them, they're like, you got to get that kid an agent. And so that's <laughs> what they did. So it's fair to say that your parents were very supportive and, uh, that's very cool. Cause we've, we've talked to people like Norman Golden and Andre Gower and that it's cool when, that experience is positive because that doesn't always seem to be the case with kids that grow up in the industry. So that's just that's true. You're extremely right. And I've, I've seen it happen a million times. Um, but one of the things that you'll notice is that the kids who were sort of pushed into it, they don't keep going. Usually they, they quit as soon as they've got their freedom and they run screaming away from Hollywood as fast as they can. 
Whereas for me, I just, I, I was lucky enough that my parents, I think instead of wanting me to be an actress, wanting me to be a performer, they just recognized that I am. Mm -hmm. Even though I was really little, they just saw it. And so they were in the same way that if a kid, like I have a little son and all he cares about is trucks. <laughs> it's, it's, that's literally all. I love that about. age. That's, so that age so is so we, much fun. <laughs> we play with trucks all the time and we get truck books and we talk about trucks. And, um, you know, if we see trucks like uh, workers, trucks in the neighborhood, we go look at them and talk about them. And he explains what all the pieces are. And it's so cute. So my parents did the same thing for me. And for me, what I was so interested in was performing, creating, pretending, putting on shows. And that's been my life ever since. How were you, uh, it's, uh, and now the ever reliable IMDB, but just mm -hmm. to get reacquainted before we get down to the ultimate, because you have been in the houses of greatness. Before we get to that, you were in Jake and the Fat Man? That's like blast yeah. from the past. Now, I mean, is this a reliable kind of, you know, credit list here of your appearance? Yeah, it's, I, w I don't know that IMDB has every credit yeah um but definitely the, the as far as i know and i i think you can trust imdb that the credits on there are legit so i was just curious because it said you know being 91 that you were eight at the time so i'd imagine it just i'm curious about your perspective from that time now you said you enjoyed performing so you were probably just it i can only assume that it was quite literally tinseltown like we used to imagine as kids what Hollywood was like, kind of like the Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Toontown kind of thing. Was it like that? You know, you were just the, the hustle you know, and bustle, going gig to gig and just having the time of your life? I will say I was having the time of my life, but I didn't look at Hollywood as a dreamy place. And I think that's because I, I lived here. I knew, you know, I saw actors all the time. Um, I knew a lot of actors. I knew a lot of performers. Um, and I'd always been just surrounded by artists. So what I understood Hollywood to be was not about um, famous people and gowns and fancy parties. What I understood Hollywood to be about was very serious artists doing the best work they could. And I wanted to be a part of that. That set, Jake and the Fat Man, I remember that vividly because it was a very serious environment. These were really incredibly seasoned pro actors. It was not an environment where I was playing around and having fun. It was an environment where I was like, this is serious. These people are working their buns off every minute of every day. And every single person on a set is 100% committed to that job. So it was... I almost would say it's an intimidating environment, but I loved having so much expected me. Being expected to be a professional on that level when I was a child, I was like, yeah, <laughs> loved that. Yeah, no, some kids would buckle under that pressure, but then some of them, that's what actually gives them the spark. So yeah. I was just yep. curious with that, you know, we got Jake in the fan, and then China Beach. I haven't thought about China Beach until it probably aired on TV. So that's a, that's, that's a flashback right there. <laughs> that was an amazing show. The people involved in that show were extraordinary and i still follow their careers because there were a lot of brilliant people who worked on that show yeah that some of that stuff like let's see is it 91 
I was 11. Yeah, it was one of the, like, China Beach. I'd just be on. I could care less. Uh, of course. <laughs> I, was, I was an 11-year-old boy. But, <laughs> but I do remember catching some of the episodes. I remember, like, Vaporwave video in my head, remembering the trailers and You stuff. knew it existed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I, I didn't like watch it either. I like the, yeah, uh, the music. Yeah. I remember yeah, the score yeah. it had wasn't it the Diana Ross didn't it mm-hmm. have that song that it uh-huh. opened up it was it, it really fit thank time you after time. it really <laughs> actually fit with that. you and me yeah great song <laughs> great song that was great and that leads us Justin yes <laughs> go ahead come on oh. come on come on I'm just chopping it I wasn't... it's like the Transformers episode of the toys that made us it's I... like every time they hit the beat and it's like here we go and it's <laughs> But first, and then we, oh God, okay, then we have to do it. Fine, I'll do it. Shay, you were in earnest, yes. scared, stupid. That's true. I don't yeah. think, well, <laughs> maybe at this point you understand. I don't think you fully understand <laughs> what this movie, first of all, what it means to me, but what it means collectively to us and everyone back mm. here is watching and all the kids that will be watching at home. Do you understand, like, the impact? that that movie has had that that you being in that film that you are have become like my generation's go-to Halloween movie? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really interesting because of course, no. Of course, I'm like, yeah, it was a movie I did and I was a little girl and whatever. <laughs> but in recent years, it, it really did occur to me like, okay, that was what, like 30 years ago or, you know, getting on to be 30 years ago. And still, to this day, I get letters from people about that movie, um, you know, people that I've worked with who I deeply respect and are high-level directors and actors love that movie, and it really means something to them. So I am aware that there's a really, really special place in the world, in, certainly in, in Halloween, for, for that movie. And I, I mean... It's so wonderful to be a part of something that people love and brings them joy. What uh, what was it filming of that? Now you say you know certain shows. Like obviously, you're professionally minded when you get on the set, but I mean, come on, kid, is it? It's got to be impossible to keep a straight face when you're staring at Jim Varney for longer than thirty mm-hmm. seconds. I couldn't, and I I study his nope. films. I mean, what was it like being on set? <laughs> trying to work with him (laughs) and they tell you to be serious and he's over here (laughs) doing what he does i mean it had to be a hoot at least a laugh riot well i'm gonna tell you the truth of what what it was like working on that set because i wouldn't exactly say that it was a laugh riot Mm -hmm. john cherry and jim varney and coke sams they all were it was so obvious that those guys were best buddies and you were hanging out with best buddies, and you're just in their zone doing whatever they need you to do. That was the most relaxed, chilled, friendliest set. Those people were happy to be there. They knew exactly what they were doing. And Jim Varney was one of the kindest, warmest, like truly nice men ever. And he was a genius. And I'm not kidding. And I don't mean like a comedic genius, which he also was. That man could talk about things that you never heard of and teach you about things you can't imagine. He was so well-read and really such an intellectual. He was, uh, 
an extraordinarily lovely guy. Did you watch any Ernest movies before you started uh, working on that movie? I still to this day have not seen any other Ernest oh. movies. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm ashamed. laughs> have I got a treat? For you, <laughs> how I'm old glad is that your my son? camera's not working. <laughs> if you if you don't mind my asking, how old is your son? He's two and a half. So he's young, I mean, I gather he's kind. You know, young enough to love trucks and all, but you never. I'm forty and I'm a big ass kid anyway. So I mean, I just I had to check. <laughs> He gets a little bit older. You just <laughs> watch some earnest movies. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. It just he is. His comedy between the Stooges and Ernest basically shaped my entire childhood. It's just nothing but Stooges, Ernest, and Looney Tunes. And so that whole Saturday morning motif. So, yeah, I was fully, I went to the theater, actually, to see Ernest yeah. Scared Stupid. So that movie's imprinted. First of all, just because I had the time of my life, I loved it. Second, it scared the heck out of my little brother because yeah. of Trantor the Troll. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So that was funny too. So, I mean, the movie itself responsible for quite a bit of kinder trauma. I love hearing the stories about I that. I think I think that's true. I've definitely heard a lot from people that it, it scared their children. <laughs> it scared it's the shit out of me. I saw it. Yeah. yeah, the first time I saw it, I was babysitting, and oh no, it was oh, no. it was Halloween night, and the the parents had rented a stack of movies, and the kids really wanted to see Ernest Scared Stupid. Well, we watched it, and I spent oh, the rest no. of the night patrolling the hallways for trolls. <laughs> <laughs> and I was only yeah. twelve, so I'm like. There's a troll around here somewhere. Oh, my God. You just say, don't worry. There's plenty of milk in the fridge. Everything's fine. Right. Don't worry about it. I've got the heart of a child. We got this. I still say, I mean, there are still lines that I spit every day. I don't even think about it anymore. I was telling my son, you know, we got to go to the grocery store tomorrow. I said, let's go pick up some Miak. And it just, <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue now. I don't even care. And every year I watch the movie, I'll just find something new that just kills me. Like this last time, whenever it, cause it, for whatever reason, it hit me again. It did a couple of years ago, but whenever he said, I'll get you, like I got your forefathers. And I only had forefathers. I only had one father. And I didn't know it very well. Yeah. I just, I can only imagine what it would have been like to meet the guy. Cause I would have talked his ear off about yeah, that. Yeah. What, uh, like the, the sets and stuff for that show. So, I mean, was it mm -hmm. all like, Every bit of it, I assume, was practical. I mean, was that like a big fan for? Do you remember anything about like the set design, the costume, the monster, the trolls, the other trolls and stuff? Did you? Oh yeah, did you see I any mean, of that. Oh yeah, it was. I mean, seeing that stuff up close, I, I understand why kids got scared of those trolls. You know, the there was some really incredible work done. There was like an animatronic head, and then and. Uh, you know, the sets for that movie were very, very cool because, you know, it was a lot of the stuff was on a big soundstage. So they're able to create a world with, you know, the exact kind of orange and green lighting and the trunk of the tree goes just so. And we also shot on location out in the forest in Nashville. But yeah, there was, I mean, you know, there's extraordinary work that goes into all of that. Did you have to audition for Elizabeth? Were there other act actors involved, actresses? Oh, yes. It was a long process. That was uh, playing Elizabeth and Ernest Scared Stupid was the hot ticket among eight-year-old little girls for a minute there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, God, it was actually, yeah, I remember it being um, a couple of months, like the process of auditioning from, from the first audition to, to finding out that I was doing it. It was a couple of months. They took their time. So, uh, Daniel, I think you're muted. 
I can see you talking, but I can't hear anything. <laughs> you keep it knocking, but you can't come in, son. <laughs> um, I guess I'll uh, I'll fill the void here. <laughs> um, you know, working with uh, other child actors, you, mm -hmm. you guys had a really, really great rapport. Um, you spend a lot of time together before actually shoot. You know, did you guys go out and do things as friends? Um, or was it just, you know, okay, here's your co-star, sit down to this table, let's read? Yeah, it was, I mean, I remember doing um, a chemistry test, which is basically where they get you in the same room and they film you together to see if mm -hmm. the dynamic works. But uh, for me and the other, uh, the, the boy in that, but, but all the other yeah. children were from Nashville. Gotcha, Daniel. Oh, wow. So it was, you know, a bunch of local kids and then just me and one other kid who'd actually been flown out from Los Angeles. So, you know, and most of the time doing film work, it's really rare to show up to do a movie and, and, or TV and get any real rehearsal time. Like you, you run through the rehearsal in front of the camera, you know, to get everything set. But it's not like you're sitting there working stuff out. You, you show up, you know your lines, you do your job and that's it. Um, so it was just oh. fortunate that, you know, it was a bunch of nice kids who, you know, Southern kids, they get, they're, they're all really, yeah. really kind and good mannered. You're talking to three of them. So okay. <laughs> we have to be, okay. our mamas, our mamas would hit us. We have to be. So, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and my, my father's English. Um, so, and my, my mother's side are all from New England. So also very important, good manners. So, um, oh, it's just, you know, most people are pretty easy to get along with. And when you're all on set and there to do the same job, which is try to make the best possible product you can and help each other and do your best, mm -hmm. it tends to foster a pretty awesome kind of environment in general. Did you get to pet wishbone or rim um, shot? Sorry. Rim shot, rim shot. I was like, wishbone. <laughs> wasn't it? That was the um, same dog that played wishbone, wasn't it? Was it? I believe so. I have no idea. Hang on. We'll consult the uh, oracle. Regardless, did you get the pet rim shot? I mean. I did, but uh, that dog was very um, carefully handled. That dog, you know, had any animal in a film is taken such, such very particular care of. So it's not like we got to hang out and like. I was in my head when you were like, that dog was, I was fixing to say out of everyone the crazy, that dog was such a diva. Oh my God, he was impossible <laughs> to work with. <laughs> I just, just biting sorry. everybody. It's like everybody I mean, was great, but oh, that dog was terrible. <laughs> the dogs are definitely treated like divas, although <laughs> the behavior was like a good little guy that you would expect. <laughs> what was it like after? Yeah, Rimshot is the best boy. <laughs> what was it? Because, uh, I, I mean, after boy. Ernest Scared Stupid, I mean, where did you go from there? Was it just, was it like a snowball or just one thing after another and it just keeps going? Or was it back no, to the grind, I mean, the next thing? Because you apparently have very, a steady career. And yeah. As, yeah. you, as you said, you know, it's just constant work, and you're obviously, as I mentioned, minded. I mean, you were just able to continue making a career doing what you enjoy doing. Yeah, it's very, I mean, as you know, I mean, I'm, I'm working, but I'm not, you know, super famous. Like, I have no problem going to the grocery so store, 
you know? That's so good. <laughs> the work that I've done, I mean, you know, I did that movie and then, you know, and then there would be times where I would work a lot on different projects one after the other. And then times when I wouldn't have a job for a year. And it, it's just always been that way. It's up and down. That's the thing about this industry is that, you know, you never know. You really never know, like, what, what's going to be available. Like, is there a great part for this particular woman, you know, this month or this year? And if not, you either keep honing your skills and wait for something to change or, you know, you move back to wherever you can. <laughs> Justin mentioned, and you belted a refrain real quick from Diana Ross. I mean, you're a singer, singer, yes. songwriter. So I, I see yeah. you got like music department credits. I mean, what, mm -hmm. what's that about? Singer, songwriter, you play guitar, you a DJ or well, a traveling one of those, polka minstrel? I mean, what is it? I would love to be a traveling polka minstrel. Um, <laughs> I would know. The, the, uh, the truth is, is a little simpler. I was in a phase of my career where I wasn't working as much and I was very bored to not be working. So I thought, um, so I thought, you know, maybe I should learn to play an instrument. <laughs> Let me do that's a lot of work and not make any money either. <laughs> that's something that it just Sorry. seemed like almost <laughs> like, um, yeah, yeah. Almost like learning how to speak a new language or something. I just thought, mm. you know, my father had, owned this guitar my mother plays piano and um and was also a singer songwriter um but you know my dad had this guitar that no one in the family played so i borrowed it forever and um and i figured you know i'll i'll see how good of a guitarist i can become and within a couple of weeks i was writing songs nice. so it was a sort of a surprise and then as i started to play and you know perform music with my own band and you know then with other people's bands um you know i would get hired to do soundtrack stuff or or to do you know performances and and so i actually sorry to tell you have made somewhat of a decent living off of Fantastic. just music well at least at, it can at be times, done. That's great you know <laughs> yeah. at times when i'm not i'm not actually you know acting that much but you got to diversify in this economy, my friends. I mean, <laughs> I've done all kinds of things in the arts to make it work. Like, you know, playing my own music, doing cabaret shows for other people's stuff. Like, you know, touring as a backup singer for other artists, doing mm -hmm. session work, um, acting, uh, you know, writing, like, you know, to everything. So you were working with some pretty serious actors at a young age, and you, not just Jim Varney. Just in that movie, you had Eartha Kitt in that movie, and then you worked with John Eartha Lithgow. Eartha Kitt. John Lithgow and Third Rock from the Sun. So did you pick yeah. up any tricks of the trade from those people early on? I mean, I think I wish that I had gotten to spend basically my entire life just sitting at Eartha Kitt's feet and, like, <laughs> listening to her purring because she is just the icon of icons in so many ways. Um, mm -hmm. And John Lithgow is, you know, you guys know as well as I do, is one of the most incredibly brilliant actors of all time. Like, he's an incredible comedian. And he's also, like, you know, done these extraordinarily dark roles. And he's just amazing at everything. Watching somebody of that caliber work every day, you can't help but get better, can't help but learn. So yeah, I mean, I still learn from him. I remember 
things that he did or choices that he made in different scenes. And I remember like, and you know, even years later, I'll go like, oh, now I understand what he's doing. I mean, he's such a genius. You got some classic shows on your list here. I'm looking at uh, Star Trek, yeah. The Next Generation, ER, Boy Meets World, Third Rock from the Sun. Quantum yeah. Leap. Yeah. So yeah. which one did you enjoy most? Like, which one do you, do you uh, hold dearest? I mean, the thing is, I hold them all dear mm-hmm. for, you know, for different, because look, like Quantum Leap, Scott Bakula was such a, um, so respectful of everyone and treated us like equals, not like kids, mm-hmm. you know? So that right. was something that I always really remembered. And, and I took that with me and was just, you know, just an incredibly sweet, lovely guy. Um, you know, Boy Meets World, I was really impressed with the way that um, Michael Jacobs ran that show. I got to see a really incredible showrunner, like put all the pieces together every single day perfectly without breaking a sweat. You know, Third Rock from the Sun, also a lot of the creative team were from Saturday Night Live. So I got to Mm -hmm. see how, you know, they rewrite things on the spot and they, they're, I mean, they're just geniuses. It's like so many geniuses and all of the shows that you listed, there's actual geniuses on them. So like there is, there's no such thing as a favorite experience because there's these incredible moments of witnessing real brilliance in every single one of those experiences. Which do you prefer, TV or movie? Oh, it's, it's much of a muchness. I mean, there's, there's, with television, things are extremely regimented. You know, there's no going over schedule or going over budget. It's mm-hmm. always a well-oiled machine. And so how smoothly everything works on a TV set is, is great. And I think it's actually very conducive to, you know, doing your best work that it's, it's just like extremely controlled. Um, you know, on movie sets, there's oftentimes there's a lot more room and there's a lot more variation on what can happen. When you're doing a TV show, typically there's sort of a, a Bible that that show follows, uh, you know, rules mm-hmm. of who these characters are, how they can behave, what's going to happen next week. So all of that keeps things, you know, a, a little bit more constrained. Whereas in film, there's more room for crazy things to happen and that to be great and a positive thing because you don't see that as much doing tv so but they're i mean they're both fantastic personally do you prefer more direction when you're acting or do you like a more loose approach it depends on the situation you know in some cases i can walk into a set and be like i've got this i know exactly (laughs) what i want to do here and a lot of times directors thrilled to give you at least the opportunity to show like, okay, what's your big idea? But ideally, I'm going to show up on set with an idea and the director is going to have an idea. And somehow those two things are going to come together and create something bigger and better and more real than either of us created in our mind. I've been in situations where a director is like, no, do exactly this, exactly this way. And that is sort of the experience of like being a painter's paintbrush, which is very cool in its mm-hmm. own way. Like you're just a tool of somebody's vision and that's awesome. And it's also awesome to, as I say, to, to have the freedom to really let yourself completely go and do something that just comes like a you know beast from inside of you and just have that freedom. 
How was it managing your school life, doing all this at such a young age to go to, did you start having tutors or did you still go to public school? Both. Um, on set, when you're a child actor, you have to go to school on set. So there's, you know, a certain number of hours carved out throughout the day that you have to be doing your schoolwork and they have to have a licensed tutor. It's usually like a former teacher or something um, who is there with you. And you, so you actually get a lot of one-on-one -on -one instruction and, you know, like you get your homework from the school and you take it to work and you do it there. So you're doing the same things that your peers are doing in school. You're just, you know, doing it in a tiny room on a set in between mm -hmm. shooting a movie. <laughs> With no noise and no distractions and everything exactly. is open book. I was homeschooled, I know. <laughs> it was great. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we touched on it earlier. Uh, Ernest Scared Stupid is just one of those movies that people show their kids on Halloween. It's got a big nostalgia mm -hmm. factor. What, what are those movies for you? Oh, um, The Princess Bride. Mm. That's right. one of good them. One. That's a big one. I feel like if The Princess Bride comes on, I'm required by law to watch it. <laughs> um, I feel the same way about Labyrinth. Yes. Labyrinth is, is a big one. Um, I would say as far as like, oh, and The NeverEnding Story. That's a good one. <laughs> and, uh, and honestly, if you I said was thinking to me, today. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, you know, top saddest moments of my childhood. Our text Don't even bring it up. Sadness. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> and 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 rimshot getting turned to next wood. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I rewatched Ernest Scare Stupid today. I haven't watched it for quite some time, and I'm sitting at my yeah. desk just tears. I know it's so <laughs> rimshot. No. It's so sad. <laughs> Um, what about when I turned to wood? Hello. <laughs> oh, it was, that was extremely upsetting. You know, but sure. you don't expect the dog. <laughs> Not really. What did have to do with a wooden dog? Yeah. I mean, you sure, did have one of the scariest scenes in the movie, though. When you when you roll over. Yes. When I was a kid watching when you roll over and the trolls in your bed. That gave me a lot. It's of right there. Ugh. Yeah, it's a good scene. It's a good. You know, it was so relatable. See, I used to do what you kids were doing in that movie. That I used to do that. I'm sure we all did, but like we go to my grandparents' house, and so if we just sit around with nothing to do, but it's October stuff, so, so we'd make like a haunted house. Well, we had like this big walk-in closet that was out of the garage, and it converted it into like a, a den, and so it had this big walk-in closet area, and so we would go and like two of us would have to go and just watch TV while the other one decorated the haunted house, and then we'd have to go yeah. into the haunted house, and so we'd have like fake blood on the wall and a bucket of guts. You'd have to stick your hand in mm -hmm. and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But what y'all were doing in the movie, I, mean, I was doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's your favorite horror movie? Well, this is something that is always tough because you know Ernest Scared Stupid is obviously one of those kind of touch points in my career. But then I also ended up doing a horror movie um, as an adult called The Lost and and became involved with, you know, the horror scene, which is um, a really amazing community here. And uh, and I love all those guys. And like, But I hate, hate. I hate <laughs> really? Them. I so you were in that. one that I really enjoyed. You were in uh, All Cheerleaders Die, and I—that's one of yeah. my favorite new horror movies. Well, so that's how was really that working cool with Lucky McKee? Lucky McKee and Chris Stevenson, who made that movie, are—you know—I've worked with them a few times, 
and they are two of my best friends. That's 100% because because I worked with them on the movie The Lost. Chris Everton directed it, Lucky Mm -hmm. produced it, and they are the most awesome guys ever. And uh, I mean, I've done a couple of more movies for both of them and, you know, just like little cameos here and there. And they're just, they just love movies so much and they love making movies so much and they're great at it. I mean, they're, I I, I could go on and on about, (laughs) about how they are, but you know, I've been directed by both of them. I, I literally love them as people like they're genuinely my very dear friends. So I could go on and on and on and on and on about what fantastic people they are and what fantastic writers they are and what amazing directors they are. And it's all true or fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you no, know, I hate horror movies. I hate them. I made I that note. But I made a note that you hated horror movies because I read an interview of yours and you said that the last one you watched was The Ring. Oh, don't even say it. The Ring, and it and it messed you up. <laughs> I wanted to ask you what I about The Ring messed you up so bad. I don't want to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> ever. Hey, that is a rough one. That is a rough one. Crazy. <laughs> what is the map? This is not. Was this a tor- torture porn? podcast like you guys <laughs> no. <laughs> no ma'am i can assure you it will not be that <laughs> i really hate horror movies i i remember watching it as a kid and i'm and i was like that's i'm never that watching traumatized a whole again. generation yeah. yeah yes and and that and that was it for me yeah and then i saw the ring with like a boyfriend at the time who had the audacity to fall asleep <laughs> And then I'm awake alone, having watched The Ring, waiting for something to crawl out of the television. And I was like, oh, that's no. it. I'm done forever. And I don't watch horror movies. <laughs> you did, I mean, it. you did pick a pretty good, iconic one to get traumatized by. That was so. Thank you. Just the, the girl climbing out of the tea set was yeah. iconic for that decade. Yeah, it was. That's a good one. It was. It was too scary. And I have the vote of confidence that, that I'm not a Looney Tune for having been too scared. <laughs> I just had to check this I mean considering is you know yeah. with the podcast we are horror nuts and uh, <laughs> so the, it's nice to hear a dissenting opinion I'll give that's you that. what's crazy is that like so much of the the I mean like when I did that movie with with Lucky and Chris the earlier movie that I did with them The Lost we did so much press for that movie we I know we, we were in Europe at all these festivals and like and I got asked what's your favorite horror movie in every interview <laughs> and i just i think i ended up making something up and just like being like uh i don't know texas chainsaw massacre which i've never seen a good never choice will but... see <laughs> never gonna watch it <laughs> but it is funny because like i am in the horror community but i just can't i can't i get it it's fantasy it's amazing and all of the horror people i know are the nicest it's like they get all that horror stuff out and they're just <laughs> wonderful, sunny people, but I can't do it. I can't do eh, it. Two weeks year old. Figured I'd have to check because you never know. Texas Chancellor Mask. I mean, that's question. a good that's a good safe bet though. Like you'd be so it's favorite horror Texas Chancellor Mask. Oh yeah, I love that movie. Yes, yeah. Okay. So about never ending story. How'd you like you know, and then you just <laughs> carry on the conversation away elsewhere? That's a that's a good one to yeah. pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you didn't struggle on set of Running Scared Stupid with all those trolls running around knowing that you, did, you didn't like horror movies? Well, I mean, 
I was there watching the <laughs> trolls, you know, watching the little animatronic pieces be used and, and you know, watching, um, you know, a little person put on the suit to, mm -hmm. you know, be the active troll. It's like, that's not scary when it's right in front of you. And, the, you know, and you're seeing it, that that part's not scary. Like, I probably wouldn't have found the ring scary if I was in the movie and watched <laughs> the scene. Sure. It was like, there she is. So if you could do, you know, I like asking of an actor, it, what role would you want to do? Let's say you've just wrapped your Wonder Woman, you finished filming, you've got all the money you ever need, you don't have to do anything ever again. You could pick a, a role to do in a movie. What movie would you do? I mean, it's not as, the answer is not like I would do this part in this movie because what I want from a part changes all the time. And right now I I love classic theater. I loved doing I've done some Shakespeare and I loved doing it. I love when there's a mystery to the language and with great wordsmiths like of course Shakespeare is a classic example, but you have, you know, writers now like um like Ryan Johnson is a writer who really uses words in an extraordinary way. And so when I get a script where there's what's being said, and then there's like, what is meant by what's being said, and you kind of have to put those pieces together, you know, or you watch movies like old movies like Chinatown, or, you know, that kind of dialogue, where there's so much going on underneath what's actually being said, but what's actually being said also is so stylized and so specific and has a rhythm to it, where you feel like you're hearing music when the actors are speaking. That's the kind of work that I'd really be excited to do right now. Hmm. Interesting. I was just curious of that or uh, maybe even a modern noir. I mean, I love noir. I think there's a lot of really interesting new ways of exploring noir that isn't as um, the traditional and as stylistic. Uh, so yeah, I, 100%. I love, love noir. I just love how you mentioned Shakespeare. Say so you'd make a good Lady Macbeth. That'd be a, that'd be a fun role. That, uh, Thank you. I, I think you could pull that one off just because that was that's my favorite Shakespeare story. But I don't know <laughs> your personality. I think you could pull that one off pretty well. Well, I really. I really appreciate that. That's a lovely thing to say. It really is. <laughs> that, that'd be a fun watch, <laughs> especially the dinner scene. That's the way I want to see the dinner scene where you see the blood on your hands. <laughs> please, y'all, please excuse my wife. She's mad. <laughs> it's quite the same. <laughs> Dad just wanted to see. So. Angelique, ask the question. Yeah. All right, Shay. I ask this to every guest that we have. I am the okay. fiendish foodie here at Monsters Madness and Magic. So okay. my question to you is, what is your go-to movie snack? What do you just have to have to munch on while you're watching a movie? <laughs> oh, we got a good one here. I would like to answer that question by first telling you a story. <laughs> which is... So sweet. I went to see, I think it was Return of the King. Mm-hmm the third Lord of the Rings movie, I went to see by myself because I was so excited to see it. And I was like, I'm going to the movies. It's going to be amazing. So I went to the theater and I got like every snack. I yes. had like red vines. I had a gigantic drink. I had a movie theater hot dog. I had yes. movie theater nachos. Yes. 
And did I have popcorn? I can't remember. I had this gigantic tray and I was like, I'm going to do this movie right. I sat down and I dumped the entire thing on the floor. <gasps> oh, no. And a man sitting like two seats down from me was like, oh, my God. Are, are you OK? You just dropped all your food. And I was like, it's fine. It's, I don't care. Whatever. Because I was so humiliated that that had happened. Um, so I guess I say all that to say this. I will eat anything in front of a, a movie. I do not have like a movie snack. Um, I would gladly eat a turkey dinner. Well, no, I like your buffet style. Yes, oh, yes, yeah, me. I mean, it's your favorite snack. Everything. Like, yeah. Uh, how many? What are the options? I'll take all of them. Yes. Like, if I sat down to a movie and someone was like, "Here, here's nachos and hot dogs," and there's, I mean, I don't eat meat, but, but you know, candy and like all different kinds of candy. Every snack, I like, I would, yes, all of them. Every <laughs> snack that you could get at the movie theater, including, like, you know, the nachos at a movie theater are so stupid and gross. They it's are, like, they're like bad, gas station nachos, but it's just a bad bit chips. <laughs> yes, it's bad chips with like one tiny thing of just the worst fake pretended cheese. But now I want them and I want to have watch a movie eating them and I would be so happy. So every snack is a good movie snack. <laughs> no, I love that answer because that's my style. You know, it's, yeah, it's, like, you know Daniel can attest. I, I, yeah, exactly. I, I will, I will give people snack boxes. <laughs> <laughs> They're out of this world. <laughs> yeah, it, yes. I mean, it's the snack box. We fill that sucker up. I mean, I'm like with the cheese, the popcorn. I want to exfoliate with the cheese, and I'll right. sit there and twirl around the red vine while I'm sitting there eating the popcorn. I'm like, yeah, I, I have if an equal if, opportunity snack devourer. If you're craving oh, totally. the, the movie theater cheese uh, in the chip aisle at your local grocery store, bodega, wherever you grab your snacks, get the Lay's brand jalapeno cheddar. And no, I can't. I honestly can't buy stuff that that specific like queso dip i can't buy it i'll eat it all in like 15 minutes and, <laughs> well that's the good thing about this because like, it's not the it's not the big jar it's the little bitty can with the plastic lid oh yeah so like it's a step below the stuff i in still the jar. think that's probably a bad idea for me well, it's a horrible mad. idea but we crave what we crave. it's delicious <laughs> okay the, be, the, the, heart free wants the heart wants i'm gonna <laughs> if i if i get it if i end up buying that i'm gonna stand in the aisle and be like damn you damn you hey i, I get free base hey, we'll I'd do be another like, zoom call i'll get one we'll eat it together you know <laughs> kind of lighten the curse a bit it does do help it. right We're doing it together <laughs> absolutely you know it, it's good to have you know uh, an accountability buddy when it comes to cheese <laughs> i wanted to ask if you got anything coming up in horizon Canuck, music yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot coming up. Um, there's, uh, you know, sometimes when I've done a cameo in a movie, I like to wait until I know if if I've made the cut before I tell people that it's. Um, so there should be a movie coming out. I don't know if it's going to come out before the end of the year. Probably not. Probably we're probably looking at 2021. I wrote and directed a short film that I'm yeah. in the. I like to say I'm in the middle of finishing it, but I'm not in the middle of finishing it. I'm hoping to get it out early next year. Um, I have a recording project with an electronica artist that I've worked with on and off for years that I think we'll put out um, probably around the new year. Um, so there's a lot. There's a lot. 
where could people go to hear it? Um, well, they can't hear it yet because it's not out. But when it's out, it'll be on Spotify and you know all the regular streaming platforms, and it'll be Good. easy. And, and and also, if anybody wants to know what's going on with me, just like follow me on Instagram. I'll post stuff when it's coming out. Always, even though I'm not super super active, um, uh, I definitely will post like this is happening. Here's the link to it. <laughs> so if you want to keep up with what I'm doing, that's an easy way to do it. Is to follow me on Instagram. That's it. Follow on Instagram, y'all. Just make sure. Do you have like a, a back catalog of any previous albums or previous song works we could send there's to? Some, there's some, uh, actually, I have a song off the soundtrack from All Cheerleaders Die hmm. that you can hear on Spotify. Oh, well, um, there you go. Go to Spotify. So that's pull one. pull the soundtrack up. And then there's, you know, there's a music film that I did a few years ago that's on YouTube. It's a little racy, so you have to be of age to watch it. Um, but a music film that's, you know, a lot of original music and and just some really cool visual vignettes that we created, me and another artist called Sarah Wilson. So mm -hmm. I have that film that's up on YouTube and, you know, just Google my name and it's easy to find some performance stuff. And um, yeah, and I'll, I'll keep everybody updated about when new stuff is coming out. Yeah, please do. That uh, certainly so, yeah, I don't think I'll be... I don't think I'll be doing any live concerts for a couple minutes here, but never you know. know. Things well, change quickly. In, you never we're, know. we're still kind of in lockdown, so when I'm everyone's, you know, Bandcamp just uh, Bandcamp starting their streaming thing. That uh, that's coming yeah, up soon. Yeah, so. a lot of my friends, my musician friends, are doing are doing that, which is and it is nice. It's a nice way to be able to share music when we're all kind of unable to go see shows. So yeah, yeah, I know this the. Uh, biggest highlight I saw in Poland. Yeah. And uh, that was like, good Lord, that's a huge streaming event. Of course, it's just yeah. dancing around there playing guitar and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, still, that was a nice little highlight for the year. It, yeah, so, it's I mean, cool. It's, it's, it's cool a facsimile, but it's something to do, you know. No, it's just a new way of connecting and a new way of reaching people when we can't actually be in person. And I think it's great that, that everyone's Everyone's finding new ways to connect and remembering how much we all want to connect to each other. So, so who were some of your musical influences growing up? Yeah. Oh, I would say to be you know relatively succinct, uh, Joni Mitchell, Bob Dylan, Nina Simone, um, Elmore James, who's a, a very old blues guitarist. Um, I was you know I had a pretty decent musical. Uh, history from my parents who were both you know my mother is a musician but my parents were both um music lovers and and they you know they had always gone to see live music they loved jazz and they loved rock and roll and they'd both seen Jimi hendrix live and um so what i really i was definitely influenced more by lyricism than i was by like amazing soundscapes um, so great lyricists, you know, like I said, Joni Mitchell, Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen, um, Nina Simone, uh, who else, you know, you get it. Yeah. yeah. You get That's it. That's a great list. Yeah. I don't think you need any more than that. Thank you. <laughs> no, that'll work. <laughs> and Shay, I think we've kept you hostage long enough if no one else has anything. To no, help. I'm fine. We covered all the bases. We got the snacks. We got the musical influences. <laughs> I mean, just... The snacks. That the was important, important. Yeah, the important yeah. stuff's covered. Extremely important. <laughs> <laughs> Shay, thank you well, so thanks. much. 
thank you guys for having me. This was a lot of fun and um and uh you know it was nice to get to chat and this is seriously thank you so much. It just, like I said, just if anything, yes. just to meet somebody who <laughs> that I watch every single daggone year <laughs> and have every year since it hit theaters and then home video. It's like I watch it every year and then my son was I watch it every year with him and he still loves it. So I mean it just thank well, you so awesome. much for taking that the makes time. me really happy. Thank you guys for, you know, watching the movies and, and making me feel so welcome and appreciated. Thank you. Oh absolutely. Thank you. You have a good thank night. You.